Are you ready for the Word of God? All right. Today, we want to talk about the fourth part of helping others to succeed eternally. Now, we've been talking about helping others to fulfill God's purpose for their lives. And today's message is, is really geared on the eternal help. Uh, it's good to help someone to uh, get a great job. It's good to help someone to uh, succeed in their marriage. It's good to help someone to succeed in school. But it's a whole different ball game when you start helping others to succeed eternally. And so that's what we want to talk about today. How do you really help someone to succeed eternally? What are some of the things we do? Now, when, when we're talking about succeeding, succeeding and success, well, we're talking about, if you talk about Webster, you're talking about really uh, helping someone attain to a desired objective or, or, or object or end. You're talking about that. But I'm not talking about that today. I'm not talking about really uh, helping you uh, to achieve something in a natural, a desired end. I'm more talking about really, when I define success, I define it as fulfilling God's purposes for your life. If we don't fulfill God's purposes for your life, then I say you have not succeeded. Not eternally. You have succeeded on this earth, but this earth is not the end result. This earth will pass away, and we're going to all die at some point in time, unless God, Jesus Christ comes back before that time, and we're caught up with him in the air. But, but most of us are going, going to die. And once we die, it doesn't end there. We're going to either be with him or without him, eternally. And I want to help you succeed. I want to succeed eternally. Now, when we talk about eternal, anything eternal, we're not just talking about a duration of time. That's easy to, to say, well, you know, eternity is, is forever. You know? But we're talking about really a quality of life because eternity is really a quality of life. It's really the life of God. And when we're talking about uh, really eternity, you must think about really that our life in Jesus Christ is eternal because he is eternal. That's all. Now, we do have a beginning because we are, are born again. We're, we're born in this world and then we're born again uh, spiritually. So we have a beginning, but we won't have an end. Jesus Christ, the Father, the Holy Spirit, there's no beginning, there's no end. But our life in him is eternal. So we're talking about fulfilling the purposes which God has created to fulfill in Jesus Christ, which means eternal success. Now, let's look at uh, the natural world versus the spiritual realm, realm, because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about how can you succeed spiritually in this life, not just naturally, but spiritually. I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. I want you to hear those words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. We're not talking about today the salvation of our souls in hearing those words. We're talking about our eternal rewards. I like rewards. God likes rewards because he gives rewards. In the scripture, he tells us about the rewards that that are ours. 
So that's what we're going to be talking about. How do you receive rewards today? How do you receive blessings today? How do you really understand uh, what God has for you and receive what God has for you? That's what you want to concentrate on today. Let's start in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Now, everyone knows pretty much about the first, about four verses about um, the church at Laodicea where he's telling them they're neither hot nor cold and he, he uh, will wish they were one or the other. Uh, we know that. I want to pick it up in verse 17. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may become rich, and white garments, so that you may be clothed yourself, so that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed, and I have to anoint your eyes so that you may see. To those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. You know, that verse alone should bless uh, all of us, because if God loves us, he's going to discipline us. Anyone who loves you is going to discipline you. Anyone who loves you is going to correct you. And if you find somebody that won't correct you, somebody who, who won't uh, tell you just like it is that you need, to, you need to get your life together, you need to stop doing this, you need to start doing this, they really don't love you. They say they love you, but they really don't love you. They, they're just afraid to hurt your feelings. They're afraid that you're going to leave or something. They're afraid that you're going to leave home. They're afraid you're not going to like them. Who cares what the world says, what like is, Jesus Christ says that if you love a person, you're going to discipline them. If I love you, I'm going to discipline you. So I look forward to the discipline that he's, he's going to continue to do in my life. It doesn't feel good. Oh, it doesn't feel good, you know. But I know it's going to yield a peaceful fruit of righteousness in my life. And he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, and I will dine with him, and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I have also overcome and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord says. Now, to me here, I see that there's a problem with this church. Here in verse 14 through 22, there's a problem that's being addressed. And the problem seems to be that they had goals and objectives that were natural goals and objectives, and they didn't have spiritual goals and objectives. Because if we look at the scripture here, and the scripture tells us that they are saying to themselves, I have become rich and wealthy. I have need of nothing. That is a, I mean, anybody in this natural world would want to do that. I mean, people... Spend dollars after dollars after dollars after dollars trying to win a lottery so they, they can say, I'm rich, I'm wealthy, and I have need of nothing. The people in the world do that. 
And people, we go to uh, uh, high school, we go to college, we go to uh, uh, get our master's. We do a lot of different things to become uh, successful in a particular field so that we can make more money. And, of course, of course, we like the, like the, uh, the field that we may be in. But I guarantee you that if anybody, usually most 90% of the people, if they had the money, uh, you gave them a million dollars, they wouldn't go to school, you know, very long. Because they, 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 they have what they want out of life. They can buy anything they want to. They can go anywhere they want to. They don't have to worry about standing in lines, holding up the uh, uh, streets and expressway, trying to get gas when they say it's going to go up to $5. They don't have to do all that stuff because they don't care. They don't care. They have the money. But see, God says that they are naked. They are poor. They are miserable. They are wretched. They are blind. Now, what, how is God seeing this thing? Because in the natural, it doesn't look that way. In the natural, it seems like they have everything they want. So I say success is not a natural thing. Success is a spiritual thing. So we want to uh, help those who God has put across our path to help. We're going to have to help them spiritually if they're going to have any eternal rewards. And so he says that I want you to abide from me, gold refined in the fire, so that you may become rich. So, therefore, he says that there's going to be some fire that's going to refine some gold so that you will have something on that day when you stand before me. And I will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So I said, okay, God, let's talk about some of this, this spiritual wisdom. I want to share with the congregation some of the things. Now, you know I could share... Many, many spiritual things. I'm going to start this week, and I'll end up next week sharing a few more uh, before we close out this building. How can a person really become wealthy spiritually, like God is saying? Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 through 14. In the King James Version, if you if you have your Bibles, you can open up. If you don't, it'll be on the screen. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. That's key. When we are born again, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, the Holy Spirit, that we may know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things we speak. Also, not in words of man's wisdom that man teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. I'm reading from the King James Version. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, neither that can they know them because they are spiritually discerned. So we know that that verse tells us that if we are not born again, if we are not walking in the Spirit, we are really not going to understand spiritual things. We're going to just understand natural things. They're not going to make much sense to us. And that's why, you know, you, you can't just um, go to church and don't let church be in you. See, because actually you are the church if you're born again. It's not, it's not a building. It's not a, a place. 
We are the church. So no matter where we go, we can have church because we are the church. And it's telling me here, and I hope it's telling you, that I need to be about who I am, which is a spiritual being. Yes, I have a flesh. Yes, I live in, 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 in this world. But I'm not of this world. You're not of this world if you're born again. You are in the world, but you're not of it. So therefore, you're supposed to be operating by different set, a different set of rules than the world operates. And if you're, you're doing the same thing the world is doing, then somewhere you have missed it if you say you're born again. We're not, we're not really, really born again. We are, we may have said some words, we might even got wet, but we're surely not born again if we're still living like the world. Now obviously we know, and we talked about last week, there's sanctification, which we move from one point of, uh, growth in Christ to another point of glory in Christ and another point of growth and keep on going from glory to glory. We know that. But if you're always the same, then you have to know something's wrong. There is a natural world and there is a spiritual world. This is what I believe. There's a natural world and there's a spiritual world that right here today, right here now, we only see what our physical, natural eyes can see. That's all you can see. If you would, if somebody would just open your eyes, open my eyes, we could see all the spiritual world. We can see the angels. We can see the demons. We can see all that is in the spiritual realm. But we can't see that. And I know that all of you wish you could see all the spiritual realm. Don't you? If in the spiritual realm, there is no time. You know, there is just eternity in the spirit realm. God doesn't operate on time. He's not a time person. He's outside of time. Time is for us and not for, for the spirit realm. You know, our, our just mode of transportation is of the natural world. It's not of the spiritual world because God doesn't have to catch the bus. He doesn't have to drive a car. You know, the Holy Spirit, when he shows up to your house, he doesn't have to come, you know, announce. He doesn't have to go through the door. The, the spiritual realm is totally different from the natural realm. But that's the realm where we are from. That's our home. We're supposed to be seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, and he is in the spiritual realm. So, therefore, we must be in the spiritual realm. So, we must be totally conscious all the time when we're talking about succeeding is there's a spiritual realm that I'm supposed to be operating in, and it's not physical. How can I... See what I don't see. How can I hear what I don't hear? How can I, you know, uh, uh, understand where it hasn't been taught to me? I need to know those things. And praise God, we have the Holy Spirit within us to teach us those things, to show us those things. We have a, a spiritual guide if we'll be uh, open to that more. Let's talk about some of the spiritual realm. Let's talk about it from Scripture. Let's look in Acts chapter 8. Let's go there. And start in verse 26. We're just giving you Scripture examples that there is a spiritual realm out there, a spiritual world, that we need to be conscious of and aware of all the time if we're going to help somebody to succeed. You've got to share that with the people you're working with. But the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up 
and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up, he went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch of the court of Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who was in the charge of, he was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. But he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, now what spirit are we talking about? The Holy Spirit. Go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, Well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter. And as a lamb before his sheriff is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and Beginning from the scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, And he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the eunuch no longer saw him, but went his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. Now, let me ask you. As you're reading that, did Philip take a bus, train, plane? What did he take? You know? And if you look at it, you say, well, man, all we know the scripture says is that the Holy Spirit snatched him away. Well, how did he snatch him? Did he just grab him by the collar and snatched him? How did he snatch him away? You know, do you ask yourself these questions when you're reading the scriptures? You know, uh, how did this thing happen? Now, God moved Philip from one place to another. And it wasn't by a normal means of transportation, the natural means. It was a spiritual means. Would you agree with me on that? It was a spiritual means of transportation. Now, if it were a spiritual means of transportation, that means that there is a transportation in the spirit realm that we all are privy to if we are open to the spirit of God. Now, I know you say, well, that's in the Bible then. No one is going to move from one place to another without a means of natural transportation. God just doesn't do that anymore. Well, you may say he doesn't do that anymore. You can only say that because of your experience. You haven't experienced God doing that in your life. You don't know anybody having that done to them that you've been around. But let me tell you, it happens somewhere 
In this world, it's still happening. You just don't know it. I was told about a situation where this man was was driving down the 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 the, the, uh, the highway in his automobile, and all of a sudden, this oncoming traffic, somebody like pulled out into the lane, didn't see them, and was going to pass this other car, but he didn't know this car was there, and all of a sudden, he saw it, but it's too late now. It's going to be surely a head-on collision. The next thing this person knows is he's sitting there, and the car goes zoom right through him, right through the whole car, automobile. And he comes out on the other side of his automobile and keeps going. Now, if you heard the story just like I heard it, would your tendency be say, oh, he was on drugs. That's what he was on. You know, that's what he was on. Because, see, our natural mind will say, well, people hallucinate. People are taking drugs now. They, they don't crack down all this all stuff. You know, they just said that it's surely not happening. This is, this is uh, you know, a child of God, a man of God who, who told this story now. And so... Is it possible, knowing that there is a spiritual realm and there is a natural, is it possible for God to cause your car that you're riding in to just, um, you know, how, how, I don't know what they call it in, in, um, in biology or chemistry or uh, just to come to just molecules and, and come back together. Is it possible? Is God possible? He Can he do that? Because the scripture says that all things are possible. For God, you know, all things are possible. We have to start thinking that way. In Scripture, we can go to Scripture after Scripture after Scripture, and you'll see that they believed in angels. They believed in in the uh, miraculous. They believed this because they saw it in their lives. So therefore, when when somebody um, or something happens, somebody says, "Oh, that's that's not that's not him. That's his angel." You know, they, they saw angels. When was the last time you saw an angel? Usually, you don't see angels because you don't want to see angels. You don't, you, I mean, you don't even expect to see angels. You don't entertain strangers because you say, well, hey, it might be somebody going to rob me or kill me or something like that. You, because, you see, the scripture, though, say you need to entertain strangers because you might be entertaining an angel. You see? Now, of course, we know that they had, they had robbers back then in those days. They had, had, had evil people back in those days also, and before that too. They always have evil days. We're not talking about just, uh, but you have to be spiritually discerning. You have to discern by the Spirit uh, what this person is and who this person is. So you see that Abraham could, could do that. He can entertain somebody because he figures that, hey, I want to be, be open to the blessings of God. And he didn't know he was entertaining God himself. So these are things that happen in the scripture. Let's look at Second Kings. Let's go there. It's a, a good um, book to go to and, and show you another miraculous thing. Because we're talking about spiritual things now. We're talking about spiritual things. We're trying to open up your eyes to see that if you're going to help somebody, please talk to them about spiritual things, spiritual success, and not just natural success. You know, that's very important. They are spiritual law. Chapter 6, verse 8. Okay, now we have a different scenario. 
we have, let's start reading here. Then the king of Aram was warring against Israel. And he counseled with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place. The Ramians are coming down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him so that he was guarded himself there more than once or twice. Now the heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you tell me which one of us is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, No, my lord, but O king Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Is that natural or spiritual? See, the only way you're going to hear what's in somebody's bedroom is, is we'll say, oh, he got a wiretap. That's what it is. He got a wiretap. He just tapped. He got a... Well, they didn't have no telephones. They didn't have no wires back then. So it couldn't have been that. So it has to be that, this, that, that God, who knows all things, who hears all things, he had every thought before we even think it, he knows what you're thinking. Every word before it comes out of your mouth, he knows what that word is going to be already. So God can, if he wants to warn Israel, can tell the prophet, hey, He's telling them this in the, in the bedroom. You go tell the king of Israel that don't go that way. Now, do we want to be open to that spiritual uh, information? Can the Holy Spirit tell us that now, this day and time, that, hey, I don't want you to go to Kroger's today because there's going to be some problems there. You stay home today. Can he tell us that? Yeah, he can tell you that. He can tell you, even though you normally go one way home, he can tell you, hey, don't take that way home today. I want you to go the other way. You say, oh, that's a long way. I don't want to go that way. I want to take the shortcut. Well, hey, don't go the shortcut. Go the long way. If we're open to the Spirit of God, he will tell us those things because they are spiritual. They are not natural things. Let's find out what happened a little bit further here. So he said, go and see where he is that I may sin and take him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Now, look, listen now. He sent horses and chariots and a great army there. Now, what is he going to do to Elisha? He's going to take him. That's what he said. He's going to take him. He's going to make sure he's not going to tell the king of Israel anything else. He's going to take him. And they came by night and surrounded the city. Now, is it any way natural that he's going to escape? No, it's no way natural. He's going to escape now. No way natural. Now then, when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and had gone out, behold, an army of horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. How did Elisha know something that his servant didn't know? When you think about it now, his servant, just like we are, they're in the natural. He's in the natural. He goes out and he sees, oh, my goodness gracious, 
all these people out here. I mean, they got all these weapons of warfare. They're all around the city. There's no way we're going to get out of the city. Master, what are we going to do? But see, Elisha was in the spirit realm. Elisha knew that he's natural, but I have a spiritual eyes. I have spiritual being. I know that God will speak to me. So he says that, Lord, this is verse 17, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Why didn't the servant see that? Why did only Elisha see that? The only way Elisha saw it is that he could see with his spiritual eyes. The only way the servant was able to see is that the Lord opened his natural eyes to his, so he could see with his spiritual eyes. I want my eyes open to see spiritual things when I need to see spiritual things. That's what I want. I'm glad that I'm not seeing it all the time. Like, you know, you said that, you know, no, I don't want, I don't want to see spiritual all the time, you know. Uh, because then you might see things you don't need to see. You might hear things you don't need to hear because your spiritual ears can be open too. That you can hear things you don't need to hear. Uh, because you'll know, if, if we, if we were, if we, if God allowed us to hear and see everything that He hears and see, we'll be a mess. You know, really, because you don't know the thoughts that people are thinking about you. And if you knew, you'd probably smack them, you know. You see? And so, but God is love. He can hear all, see all, know all and still love us. He can still love us. And see, we wouldn't be that way. See, because see, people have things against you that you don't know they have against you. Uh, but it's good that you don't know it because you you think they love you anyway. You see? And so God is good when he doesn't do that. Matthew 8. Let's turn there and see another instance here in the spirit realm. Verse 14 to 17. And when Jesus had come to Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in the bed with a fever and he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and waited on him. And when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill in order that it might be spoken through Elijah, the prophet might be fulfilled. That which, in other words, Elijah spoke might be fulfilled. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Those are spiritual things. You don't just go touch somebody and they just jump up out of the bed and, and, and start waiting on you and start doing what they normally do. You don't do that. That's a spiritual thing. You don't start just casting out spirits, uh, you know, by the flesh. You don't do that. You can only cast them out by the Spirit of God. And so these things are spirit. Some of the problem that people have in this in this life, 
They don't want to be like they are, but they can't help it because there's a spirit behind it. And until that spirit is cast out, they will still have problems in that area. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because Jesus had the same problem. It, it, it was a woman who was bent over, over in, in a synagogue and, and Jesus healed the woman. She stood, she, she walked straight. There are some things that's just, is, is just demon possessed, is unclean spirits. Some people have spirits of lust, spirits of uncleanness that they're going to still stay the same way until that spirit is cast out of them. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's very important. So we got to be open to spiritual things. If you're not open to spiritual things, we'll be in a natural and you'll be trying to do everything you possibly can to, to deal with the natural and natural stuff just doesn't get it. It can cover up things. It can delay things. It can do all those things. But you need, you need spiritual help. I need spiritual help. We need to be walking in the spirit realm so we can help others. And you can help the people who you're working with if you let them be open to those spiritual things. There are natural laws and there are spiritual laws. Give me a, a natural law. Let me hear a natural law. Somebody. Okay, don't speed. Okay, that's a good natural law. Don't speed. Okay, give me another one. A natural, you know, one of the laws that, that I mean, we can break, we can, now we can break the speed limit, don't we? We can break the speed limit. Give me a, a natural law that you can't break. Law of gravity. Okay, that's a good one. Law of gravity. If I step off this platform, can I float? I'm going to ask you again. If I step off this platform, can I float? Now, now, now naturally, now are you speaking naturally or are you speaking spiritually? Okay, all right. That's true. Naturally, if I step off, I better have some good balance. Good knees, you know, to hold me, you know. Otherwise, I'm not going to step, Stella. Don't even look at it. I'm not going to step. It, you know, <laughs> you say, I hope you don't because we're going to carry you out. <laughs> you know, the natural law says that, that gravity, if you step off of something with this, that's not supporting you, you're going down. Simple. Plain. And you're not going to break that law. Oh, you, can, you, can, you can speak against You can say, I'm going to step off this stage. I shall not fall. You know, I'll jump off this roof. I shall not land on the ground. I'm going to float. You can say it all you want to. Natural gravity, the law of gravity, going to be in effect because God put the law in, in effect. But why do planes fly? Because planes can stay up in that air. And it is, is gravity is still pulling on that thing. And it does, doesn't fall as long as things are in operation. What things are those? The law of, the law of lift, aerodynamics, all those type of things. There are some other laws that can supersede the law of gravity. Is that correct? There are spiritual laws that can supersede the natural laws. That's what, that's what I'm trying to get at today. There are spiritual laws that can supersede the natural laws. Uh, you just can't speak to to, to sickness and it just goes away in a natural. It has to be a spiritual thing. You just can't get your eyes open and you can see chairs of fire all around. You can't see that. That's, that's a, it, unless you're in the spiritual realm. There are some spiritual laws and natural laws we have to think about. Listen to, uh, uh, what he told, Paul told, uh, Timothy in 1st Timothy chapter 2. Verse 1, 
54. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires that all men be saved and come into the knowledge of truth. Now, God has given us a law. He's given us something that will supersede the natural thing. The natural thing is that once Adam sinned and got separated from God, everybody who's born in this world is going to be a sinner. And they're going to stay sinners. Unless somehow God overrides that which he set into motion. And thank God that Jesus Christ is a sacrifice for all our sins. We thank God for that. And which now, because of Jesus' sacrifice, we can now live a life uh, of righteousness because we're in him. Also, it's the same thing, but natural things will stay natural unless we pray. There are lost people that's going to stay lost. If you don't pray, because he says here that we're not going to lead a tranquil and a quiet life in our godliness and dignity if we don't pray. Because he said that he 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 wants that to happen. We we are fighting against a lot of things in this world that are not flesh and blood. Those things are spiritual things. Ephesians six tells us about those spiritual things. I believe some of you have those things memorized in Ephesians. Ephesians 6, somebody call out for me. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rules of darkness, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Now, therefore, we have to put on a whole arm of God. Now, how can we fight a good fight if we don't put on a, on, on a whole arm of God? He says, we're fighting against these, these uh, spiritual enemies, and you are not going to be able to fight against these spiritual enemies, uh, uh, enemies if you don't put on my whole armor that's going to help you fight against them. Now, what's the armor of God? You know, all of it is basically the truth, the word of God. Isn't it? It's the truth. And because even even our, our, our attack weapons is really the word of God, isn't it? The sword of the spirit is the word of God. So we still have the word of God that we're going to fight against. God has, has given us how to override the natural things. Don't you know that this land is in bad shape? And our land needs healing. America needs healing. The world needs healing. We have a lot of sin going on in the world. And if God going to heal our land, and, and he's not going to do it unless something supersedes what's natural. Just like Sodom and Gomorrah. He, it was going to naturally get, get wiped out by God unless something happened. And he told the man of God what he, what it had to happen. He told him, okay, if I can find this many righteous men in the city, I'm not going to destroy the city. But he couldn't find them. So therefore he destroyed the two cities. Now here he says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. King James Version, I'm reading from. If my people who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. How important is prayer to God? 
It's powerful, isn't it? Because he says that if you want America to be healed, then start praying. But see, most people, if you think about it now, the prayer room is the least. I mean, I mean, you, you just you just think about it now. You come to a, a Thursday night prayer. And I guarantee you, you won't see half the number of people here. You won't see a third number of people here. You won't see a fourth of the number of people here. You won't see a fifth of the number of people here. You won't see a sixth of the number of people here. You're going to see a very few people here. And that's in any prayer room. I don't care what the size of the church is. You can go to a church that has 10,000 members to it. And I guarantee you go to prayer room and there's going to be about 100 people there. And then you say, whoa, there's a lot of people here. You know, man, that room was crowded, man. I wish our prayer was like that. Well, you know, on the top, what? A hundred people and they got 10,000. I got, I got, how many people is that? What percentage is that? Those math students, come on. Huh? Huh? And you think about 1% of this body, say if you have 200 people, and if you have 1%, how many you have? Okay. <laughs> come on, come on, male students, you know. 10% would be 20, right? 10% would be how many? Huh? Come on now, come on. If 10%, if 10% is 20, 1% got to be 2, right? Right? So if you have, is that right? So if you have 1%, the same way as the other people, you have how many people? 2. And if a person who has 100 at 10,000, you got two. You got just as many as they got. Yeah? Percentage-wise. You know? Yeah, that's right. Really? One can send 1,000 flight. Two can send 10,000 flight. But I'm telling you that, that people don't like to pray because they have an enemy. They say, oh, don't let them pray. And they send their demons. They send all the, the, the unclean spirits. Don't let them pray. You know, because if they pray, things going to happen. Get them busy. Do something, you know. Get them, get them upset. Oh, they're going to pray in tongues. Don't go down, you know. You know, you know divide them. Don't, 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 don't let them get in that prayer room. We are doomed if they get in that prayer room. And I'm telling you, prayer will change this nation. Guaranteed. Prayer will change many things. Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them apart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of their heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flows the wellsprings of life. And he's just given us a law. He says that from our heart is going to flow the wellsprings of life. And so if you don't teach the person you're working with, hey, look, there's a spiritual law that if you don't guard your heart, you're going to sin. Guaranteed. You say, well, how is that possible? I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to determine that I'm not going to be sin. You can't do it. Because out of your heart is going to flow the issues of life. And so you're going to have to guard your heart. And you only guard your heart by doing what God says to do about your heart. You see? So he says that, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. 
keep them in the midst of your heart. And if we say, I can, I can guard my heart by never looking at the word, not even listening to the word. I don't have to do that. I can still keep my heart because I have determination. Wrong. You can't do it. You cannot do it. You will sin because you, your heart, out of your heart come sin. Look at Matthew chapter 15, chapter 15. He says that in verse 19, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murderers, adulterers, fornicators, thefts, false witness, slanders, and these things which defile a man, they come out of the heart. They don't really go in the mouth. That's the context is in. Uh, it's not about what you eat. It's about what comes out of your heart that defiles a man. All those things that people do, all those evil things come from their heart because they're not God in their heart. That's a law. That's a spiritual law. If you're not teaching a person you're working with, you know, about that, then you are setting them up to fail. Proverbs 4.24. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, but put devious lips far from you. Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it, we just fruit. Now, there's a law of the tongue. Because the tongue is set on, James says, you know, by hell. You know, our tongue is a little small member, but I'm going to tell you, it does a lot of evil things. And God says that death and life in the power of the tongue, you got to keep your lips from that. You got, and, and the only way we're going to do it is with the Spirit of God. You just can't do anything else. It's, we got to walk in the spirit realm. In Proverbs uh, 4, 25 through 27, it says, Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in, in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. So he tells us another law. He said, if you watch the right things, if you go to right places, if you really just don't deviate from the word of God to the left or to the right. You know, keep your eyes fixed on what the spirit of God is directing you and what the word of God is directing you to do. You know, you're going to be OK. But see, the natural law, you know, we think we can we can override the spiritual law. We think we can watch anything, go anywhere, look at anything and still our hearts be pure and we can stay clean. Impossible. Impossible. And, and don't let anybody tell you, you know, that you can look at anything you want to do, look at, go anywhere you want to go, read anything you want to read, and, and thinking that you're going to be, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. There are spiritual laws and there are natural laws. And we'll tell you, uh, put it into a, uh, give about two or three next week and put it into where we're going from here because uh, God has given us a directive and I believe that uh, if we do what he, I know, if we, if, we, if we do what he says to do, we're going to succeed when we leave this building. We're going to succeed. And so we're going to set the tone for leaving this building next week and then when we get into the other building, we're going to set the tone for what we're going to be doing in that building which is a temporary thing, while our uh, permanent building will be uh, being built. We'll break, break ground January, about the 2nd. We'll start breaking ground for that new building. 
and you've seen plans for it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And so God wants us to go out a certain way and come in a certain way. We're going to talk about next week how we're going out. And we'll talk about a week after that how we're going to come in to the place we're going to be. And it's all spiritually discerned. It's not nothing natural. It's all spiritually discerned. Let's bow here. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. It is a natural world, and it's a spiritual world in existence. Oh, there, there, there's a spiritual realm out there that, Father, you want us to be aware of, more aware of, Lord. Everything we say, is, it, 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 it operates, it starts moving things in the natural. Everything we say, because our words are spiritual words, Lord. They're spiritual words. And you're telling us to watch our words, watch our behavior, watch our actions, because everything we do sets into motion something in the spiritual realm. Everything in the natural operates because of something that was done in the spiritual realm. Father, we're asking for that revelation, that wisdom, in which we already know, but we need to be reminded of, and we need to set it in the forefront of our minds, Lord, that the spiritual realm will change the natural realm. Anything we have need of, Father, you've already provided for us. And it's ours as we walk in the spiritual realm, as we walk with you, Lord. And if we continue to walk in the natural realm, or if we walk in the natural realm, Father, we're going to get natural results. And that's not pretty, and it's not good. So let this day be a day, Lord, that we will claim that we're going to start learning ourselves and teaching others be aware of the spiritual realm. Be aware of the words that you speak to somebody. Be aware of the attitudes that you have towards somebody. Because it sets into motion something. It's like a snowball. It's rolling down a hill. It'll keep gathering snow and gathering snow until otherwise it's so big that it'll destroy things. And that's what happened, Lord, with a lot of human beings. They destroy themselves because of operating in the flesh, in the natural realm, and not in the spiritual realm. If there's anyone here that haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, that's the beginning of your spiritual walk. You cannot walk in the spiritual realm being of Adam, the natural man, only. You have to be changed. You have to be born again.